Welcome to the only podcast for piano teachers just starting out, Piano Teacher Primer. My name is Angela Toon. Keep listening for the prime pro tips you can use with your own students right away. Episode 57 of the Piano Teacher Primer podcast. My name is Angela Toon, bringing you today's episode titled, Imagine That. So imagination, our culture kind of sees it as a childish thing. Use your imagination. But I'm learning we are built to be creators. And to create, we first imagine. And when we are in creation mode, magic happens. Whether it's creating a delicious meal for your family or creating beauty in an area of your home or in your yard or, of course, creating a beautiful rendition of music. Even if it's written by someone else, you are creating the sound and your interpretation will be different than anybody else's. And then imagining what you want your life to be like and what you want your studio to look like to fit into your life. So I'm imagining today's episode to have three areas. Imagination in piano playing, using some imagery in our playing and in our teaching, and imagining the studio that you want, and then imagining how that will lead you to the resources and the people that can help you. So I remember as a child, I was an elementary age student, and I don't remember what the piece was called, but I kind of remember the cover. It had something to do with a forest. I remember dark green, I remember trees, and I I remember like a silhouette of a person coming out from the trees. Um, And my piano teacher and I sat and figured out a story. And I don't remember if this was for memorization or just for me to add more musicality to the piece, but we came up with a story to go along with this piece. And again, I can't remember all the details, but something about the forest and it was dark. And then it was, there was a hunter, the animals, they were running away and they were hiding and they were safe. So again, I can't remember all the details, but isn't it amazing that I still remember that story of that one piece out of the hundreds of pieces that I learned as a child. The imagination gave it a permanent place in my mind. And maybe I love the piece too. I don't know. And then I was in college and I was studying this atonal piece. Uh Uh-huh. That means it's not in a key. It was like no sharps, no flats, but lots and lots of sharps and flats written uh, in accidentals in the music. And it did not sound pleasant (laughs) to me. I would actually get scared practicing it. I would be alone in my house, it was my parents' house, and I would be practicing this atonal piece and I would like start looking around the corner and I would like scare myself with it. So I came to my lesson, this is with Jeffrey Price at the University of Utah, and he says, What is beautiful? Can you think of an image? No, not can you think of an image. He said, we are going to sit here until you come up with an image that makes this piece beautiful. I was like, beautiful? The only thing I can think of is this sounds like background music to a murder show. Like I could not come up with anything. And we sat in silence for what seemed like 
a long time and I'm just, I'm at the bench, but I'm just like racking my brain and he's just quietly waiting for me to come up with an image to express. So I, I don't remember exactly how long it was, but it seemed like a long time. And then uh, an idea popped into my mind. Whale songs. Humpback whales. I love whales, by the way. <laughs> and I thought of how those are not in a key. Those are deep and dark and beautiful. This changed everything for this piece of music for me. I got way creative with it and I was imagining an octopus part and this is one of those deep, dark, scary sea creatures. And then the whale song is beautiful. I even ended up playing that at my senior recital. I even included this piece on my senior recital from college. Even though I detested and hated it before, I decided to include it. And I did put in the show notes, it, do they call it that? Program notes. I put in the program notes uh, what I was imagining so that their imagination could also be ignited from that. And then using imagination in piano teaching. So just like my teacher sat with me and took the time to come up with a story for my piece, we can ignite our students' imagination. This could be to help them learn a new concept. This would be to help them internalize something we're trying to teach them. This could be to help them memorize a piece. If we have a little story to go along with it, a little image or a story can help with dynamics so that the dynamics have like a purpose rather than just play forte because it says so, you can be like, oh, this is the big one, and then this is the small one, and this one is hiding, and this one's far away, and use your imagination to bring those dynamics to life, and that will help make magic at the piano, not just static black and white notes, but not just imagining for dynamics too, that will bring color and imagination to the kids' playing. If they are imagining something while performing, one of my other college piano teachers would have me write down words that describe the mood of the piece or the part of the piece. And then I would feel that mood while playing that piece. I would feel that emotion while playing. And that brings such depth to the music. It's like good acting. If they're really feeling those emotions, it brings it to the people watching. And the same thing with music. It takes that emotion and expresses it, presses it out to the audience. Full color, full life, full magic. Imagination ignites expression in music. There's always more to experiment with. I'm always learning about the power of creating and creating in the mind first, but we're pretty good imagining with music. Like, I think you're probably following me with everything that I've been saying so far. We're not always so good at it with our lives. <laughs> Kids are so creative and they imagine the most ridiculous things sometimes. They're learning so much, right? Their brains are expanding. And as adults, we get a little stuck in our ways. We get a little stuck in our thought patterns and thinking that this reality is all we get. And we get a little cynical, <laughs> we get a little bit stuck. But open your mind with me a little bit and imagine what you really want your life to be like and what do you want your piano studio to look like, like deep down. What do you really want? Um, 
I've told you in a past episode that what I pictured most was that I wanted to be a mom. Like when I was deciding what to be when I grow up, uh, I think it was called My Story, the previous episode where I share this story. But what I was really picturing was I wanted to be a mom. But I did want to work, I did want to contribute to the family income, but I wanted to do it in a way that allowed me to be the mom of my kids and to be with them and teach them and play with them and raise them myself. So that's one of the biggest reasons I chose to teach piano as a career. That's why I went to college to study piano. It was a big factor, honestly, and to give me the knowledge and credentials to do so successfully. I imagined a job at home with my kids. No need for daycare, teaching with a toddler, napping. I don't have to work full time, but I can make a good hourly rate for the time I'm putting in. And I pictured the flexibility and I've used this flexibility in all the different stages of my kids. Now that I have teenagers and older kids, it looks a little bit different. And I've had to kind of imagine and use some creativity to find what works for me at different times. I've imagined being my own boss here and running an easy business, really, relatively, and scheduling students and classes around my life and how I can. Um, One thing that I did imagine as my kids were getting older and realizing that it was difficult for students to get all the lessons in the semester that I had planned. So when I restructured everything and raised my prices, I worked into my program a couple fewer lessons each semester. And that really worked for both me and the parents. And then I wasn't stressing out a little bit about like, oh, they haven't had all their lessons. It's like I offer the makeup lessons and these are the lessons that you've paid for and it works for me and it works for them. And that has allowed me to travel a little bit more and maybe show up to a soccer game once in a while to watch my big kids. So I imagined a steady income every month, something I could rely on. And I'm a natural saver. My husband and I decided at one point to live off of his income and then save mine for various things that we wanted. That's been really fun. We have continued doing this. It's been enough to pay off debt. It's been enough to save for vacations. And you think about saving up for a trip or a vacation with your family. The memories of that last way longer than that week or so that you're gone. And then finally, I've recently been able to save up and purchase a used grand piano that is everything I've been dreaming of. And that seemed impossible for a long time. For a very long time, there was always a looming big thing that we were gonna need to purchase, (laughs) that we were gonna need to save for. And it was when I was able to save teaching money to pay cash for a roof that I was like, okay, This is possible. This is in the realm of possibility now, now that we've got a roof over our heads, literally, that I can consciously save. And it's kind of a miracle, everything I wanted in a grand piano. Like I had started playing some, but I wasn't seriously shopping. But in playing, I realized I'm gonna need a bigger size to get the depth of sound that I want. And my upright is a shiny black kind of hate it. So I really wanted a matte black finish. And you know, to refinish a piano, that's kind of a hefty cost right there. So I have to factor that in. And I just, so it did seem impossible for a while to get everything I wanted. 
But actually, my husband found this used one on a classified, and I went and played it. Didn't really want to like it, but I loved it. Played it again, loved it even more. And uh, so, dream come true. My imagination came true for this grand piano. So, we can delve into the impossible a little bit, along with the reality that we are facing. Um, picture in your current situation how you might make this happen. But then, have some impossible dreams. Have some impossible goals that feel like, I don't know how this is going to happen. And yeah, there's some stress along the way, but so worth it. There was stress when my husband lost his job in the spring and I did pull out of that piano fund a little bit to buy some groceries, uh, but we bounced back and I miraculously found everything I wanted in a grand piano. Amazing. So, so happy. Now I'd like to ask you about your students, okay? Have you ever had a student where you show them a new piece and they don't even know where to put their hands? and they don't even know where to start to find their notes. I've had students like this from other teachers, uh, probably mine as well, once or twice, but they would tell me their teachers would show them where to put their hands. Their teachers would write all the notes in. They did not know where to put their hands. One family didn't even know what middle C even looked like. The teacher had just shown them on the keyboard. <gasps> But imagine a student comes like this and you have a set of questions to ask them to guide them along to the right note and how they can find the first notes of their piece and any notes of their piece on their own. Have you ever been to these student recitals where the students, maybe several in a row, are maybe not super prepared and the, they maybe know the notes, but they're like stopping and stopping and stopping and stopping and just... The, maybe they were taught the note values of the rhythm, but they're not really playing in rhythm. They're not really playing continuously and it's just stopping. And so it's uncomfortable, right? Have you been in those recitals? <sighs> There's a lot of factors that go into that one, right? But can you imagine knowing the steps to take and the tools to prepare the students to be able to play as well in that recital as they have in their lesson and as they have for other people and as they had for a group class and then as they had for a recital. Can you imagine confidently knowing how to prepare a student to be able to perform as just as well or better than what they play by themselves and what they even play for you? And I realize there's personal choice involved and you cannot do it for them. The student has to put in the time. They are the ones that need to make the decision to practice their pieces and put it in their fingers. So what do you do if a student is not prepared for a recital and you're out of time? I have said to a student, it looks like you are not quite prepared for this recital. I'm sorry you won't be able to participate. So you imagine the studio that you would like. Imagine having some more tools of memorization and performance anxiety to help your students be able to play as they have practiced or even better. We want our students to be independent learners, to be able to find the things that they need on their own, to apply the rhythms on their own. And then imagine if they've learned the notes on their own and the rhythm on their own, imagine what we can spend time in the lesson doing. Yeah, making those notes sound good. Spend time in the lesson with dynamics, expression, 
of their imagination. Sometimes it would take so long to point out the notes that there's no time in the end, you know, the recital gets too close and they barely have it learned. Well, imagine being able to focus on the sublime in the piano lessons. Yes, you can spend the time in the lesson creating music, bringing that music to life in full color. Have you ever been in like a rhythm power struggle with a student where the student's playing the rhythm incorrectly and you correct them, but they, they still play it wrong. And then you write in the counting and you say the counting together and then they say the counts while playing, but they say the counts unevenly like how they're playing. And then you clap it together. You may demonstrate, but they still play it wrong. Maybe what we need are a few more aces up our sleeves, right? A few more tools in the toolbox to pull out in these tricky situations or just to illustrate something for a student, to ignite their imagination and make the concepts more permanent in their minds. Some of these silly tricks I even teach to my adult students and I just say, this sounds kind of silly and childish, but it will help it stick in your brain. And so I tell them, imagine learning these time efficient strategies all in one place, not from a static video, but live with other piano teachers who are ready to amplify their experience as well. Imagine having a go-to person that you can ask questions for exactly what you are going through and exactly what you are struggling with and get specific help on that thing. Imagine versatile games at the ready. You can tailor to the level and needs of each student and you can quickly pull them out and then be ready to break up the lesson and make it fun. Painless learning, fun learning. In one week, well, less than a week now, the Piano Teacher Toolbox will begin February 1st. It's open now. We will close midnight of January 31st so we can get started on the 1st of February of this year. This is going to be a six-week group program and I'm only accepting eight people. This can be if you haven't started teaching yet and you want to have the foundation to really be awesome, great. If you are already teaching and you want to up level, you want to amplify your teaching and you want to take your students to the next level, this would be perfect. Or if you can relate to some of these troubles that I have shared with you that I have had myself, I can give you the tools because I have taken the time to solve a lot of these problems over 25 years of teaching and also attending a lot of pedagogy things that I can share some other ideas with you from that. So I can help solve these problems and give you the tools that you need. Best part of a toolbox is it's not like this is what you have to do. You can choose, you can pick and choose what you like and you can make it fit in your studio. It works with any method that you are using. We will have a review of method books and different suggestions that way as far as music to use with students. It'll be flexible, okay? You'll be able to use whatever you learn how you want to. So AngelaToon.com and there'll be a link in the show notes would love to hang out with you. Thanks again. Before you go, a quick note. Your dedication to piano education is keeping the music alive. If you've found value in our conversation, please leave a rating or a review and share it with a fellow piano teacher. Together, we're changing the world one student at a time. Until next week, play on.